Welcome to Small Biz Brainiac, providing employer intelligence that helps you navigate the regulatory landscape and keep you on course running the business you love. Here's your host, Thomas Rock Lindsay. Hey, Small Biz Brain Trust, welcome to episode 140 How HR Should Prepare for a Recession, Part 2. My name is Thomas Rock Lindsay, and this is the podcast that delivers employer intelligence two days each week in short 7-10 to minute episodes. My co-host Robert Attridge delivers the Tuesday, no, the Thursday show, and I deliver the Tuesday show. Now in part one, we learned that a recession is a significant decline in economic activity spread across the economy, lasting more than a few months. We also learned that there isn't a standard formula that you can apply to the economic data to see if the economy is in a recession. By the way, if you missed episode 138, which was part one, You should go back and listen to that first before continuing here with 140. Now, since so many economists failed to recognize the last recession, you'd think that they'd be looking at other indicators, not just the ones that they've previously chosen to monitor. Warren Buffett has his way of doing it. He called it early. And another guy who called it early was Peter Schiff. He looks at non-traditional recession indicators like household debt, which we talked about in part one, He also looks at unemployment and inflation and a few other things, but we'll go over unemployment and inflation in this episode. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the unemployment rate as of June 2017 is 4.4%. Now, aside from May 2017, when it was 4.3%, that's the lowest it's been since March 2007. Pretty awesome, right? We're in great shape. So it seems. Now, when you look under the hood, you see a greasy, broken-down engine in need of a major overhaul. Basically, the government-produced unemployment rate is fake. It's manipulated. It's designed to make things look better than they are. They do it in two ways. One, if you're not looking for a job any longer, you're not counted. Even though you're unemployed and you want to work, if you're not looking, you're not counted. Two, it's a part-time job is counted as a full-time job. So someone who has two part-time jobs, that equals two full-time jobs. And most of that highly touted job growth over the past six years has been low-paying part-time jobs with the same person being counted two, three, or even more times. Also, you have Obamacare that's contributed to the level of unemployment. So for years now, many of you have been transitioning to a part-time workforce to avoid an increase in your medical insurance expense. You aren't forced to provide affordable health insurance to employees working less than 30 hours a week, so you need more part-time workers to lower your cost. Although according to Advisor Perspectives, Inc., the Affordable Care Act hasn't contributed to a surge in part-time job growth, this is where I'll invoke a Potter Stewartism, which you'll remember from the last episode. In other words, I know it when I see it. And actually, I'm not the only one who disagrees with them. The number of people who have two or more jobs is higher now than it's ever been, according to a USA Today article on October 17, 2016. That article also says that the number of workers having multiple jobs is at an eight-year high. And it's not just the number of part-time jobs that's the problem, it's the type of jobs. MarketWatch reported on April 9th, 2017, that according to the Economic Policy Institute, these new jobs are mostly low-paying retail, leisure, and hospitality industry positions. So you can drink the BLS Kool-Aid all day if you'd like. It doesn't change the reality. And the reality is the unemployment rate is significantly higher than they report it to be. And that's not a sign of a healthy economy. 
Well, how about inflation? So that's another thing that the government wants to lie to you about. The most common definition of inflation is a rise in the general level of prices. But that's the result of inflation. Inflation is actually an increase in the supply of money. So has the money supply increased over the past eight years? Yes, like no other time in history. The Federal Reserve has injected over $4.5 trillion into the economy to speed up the economic recovery. But that hasn't been enough. And they're preparing to print even more new money to keep that train on the tracks. So are we still recovering from the Great Recession? Or are we already in another one? If not, why then, Federal Reserve, do you need the Treasury to spot you a new boatload of greenbacks? You can't just create that amount of money out of thin air without some seriously serious consequences. Yes, seriously serious. Now, more new money and continued low interest rates is only going to allow us to continue to spend money we don't have. And the further and further we go into debt, the more painful the correction is going to be when the music stops. I will say that the money supply isn't the only factor that affects prices. You have supply and demand, productivity, and a bunch of other factors, but those are natural economic forces. Creating new money isn't. Of course, you already know that inflation is high because you see it in the products you buy. You pay more for the same product, but you get less and lower quality. You go to the grocery store, you buy cereal, you pay the same price as you did maybe last year, but and the box is even the same size, but the bag inside has a lot more air in it. Now, the federal government manipulates the economic data to cover up what's really happening. The best measure for inflation is actually gold. Shift Gold provides an eye-opening infographic showing the difference between two savings scenarios. The first scenario is an American who stores $3,500 in a safety deposit box in 1967 and then takes it out in 2017. The second scenario is an American that stores $3,500 worth of gold, or 100 ounces, in a safety deposit box in 1967 and takes it out in 2017. If each person then went on a spending spree, this is what they could buy. The guy with cash could buy 1,500 gallons of gas. The guy with gold could buy 54,350 gallons of gas. Cash would buy you 2% of a new house. Gold would buy you 63%. You could buy 470 burritos with your cash. With your gold, you could buy 16,700 burritos. And $3,500 in cash would get you 10 round-trip flights. Gold would buy you 357 round-trip flights. Basically, $3,500 in cash is still $3,500 in cash. It just buys a whole lot less now than it did back then. On the other hand, $3,500 in gold 50 years ago is worth $125,000 today. That's inflation. The dollar has lost some serious purchasing power, whereas gold has retained it. Well, we're out of time, and I still want to go over retail sales, auto loans, student loans, and the stock market. I know that's a lot just to convince you that it's a good idea to prepare for a recession from an HR perspective. Head on over to smallbizbrainiac.com for show notes and links and grab your copy of the free report, Eight Steps to Lowering Your Employer Liability. We'll pick this up again next Tuesday. Meanwhile, I'm off to Hawaii with my wife and kids and our good friends, Hamlet and Shannon Benjamin and their family for some good times in Hawaii. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening and have a great day. 
Thanks for listening to Small Biz Brainiac. To get your questions answered by Thomas directly, visit smallbizbrainiac.com. And for more employer intelligence, be sure to join us again here on Small Biz Brainiac.